0: You are listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow Podcast, a show covering the hometown Milwaukee Brewers as we analyze the roster, report on the latest rumors, and discuss their quest to bring the World Series trophy to Milwaukee for the first time. Here are your hosts, Peter and David Go. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I am your host, Peter Go, alongside my good friend and brother, David. David, I'm excited to be here. It has been too long since we recorded a podcast, and it's crazy. Brewers, All-Stars announced today amongst the rest of the big leagues. It's already middle of July. We're really into the middle of the season here, so really excited to be here. I think we've got a lot to cover. What are your uh, initial thoughts here today?
1: It was a little bit of a diff- uh, disappointing series loss against Pittsburgh. But overall, the Brewers have righted the ship a little bit. They've been dealing with some pretty big injuries. Freddie Peralta, of course, throughout the year. Woodruff did come back. Ashby had a little bit of a stint on the aisle. And Hunter Renfro back there. So having, having not quite the full roster there, being able to at least play all right. They won two against Tampa Bay. They took two out of three from Toronto. I would say overall, I'm pleased with the way that they're playing.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Freddie Peralta, of course I know you were there today for Freddie Peralta bobblehead. Uh thoughts on the on the Freddie Peralta bobblehead, since I know we always talk about the giveaways but never really uh break them down. What's the bobblehead? I know we, we we liked it going in and had that uh, the different uniform as well, but solid bobblehead?
1: Solid. Yeah, I would give it a eight and a half out of ten. Okay. has got the pinstripe uniform. He's he's in that, that semi wind up hybrids kind of stretch position. So distinctly Freddie Peralta looks like him. Um, Yeah, I I would say one of the better ones that we've had in recent memory. They have gotten better. Uh, We don't have the, like, bland-faced Ryan Braun, where it could be Ryan Braun, Corey Hart, J.J. Hardy, or Jason Kendall, and you really have no way of knowing (laughs) other than the the name on the jersey. Um, They've gotten better. And it also helps that the Brewers have good players. I mean, um, no more are the Jim Henderson bobbleheads or – um, The like one guy has a year where he's an average major leaguer. Let's have a bobblehead of him next April before we trade him. Um, <laughs> and yet I was, I was saying to you, there are only 35,000 people at the game. I was a little surprised. I feel like normally in the past when they'd have bobblehead giveaways, maybe, maybe not like five years ago when they were bad, but well, I guess it's been more than five now. Jeez, so, it's been like six, seven years since they rebuilt, um, but maybe 10 years ago. Uh, 10, 12 years ago, when they'd have bobblehead giveaways, it was a sellout. Even when they'd have like the hot dog bobblehead, I remember going to that one, or, or the chorizo bobblehead. Those ones seem to always have more. Um, they they seem to always sell out. So I don't know if that's just a league-wide attendance trend, uh, if that's a Brewers thing. Not really sure, because they also have good players that they have bobbleheads of in a competitive team midsummer, Sunday game. A little bit surprised on the, the attendance.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it was the opponent, of course, playing the Pirates or what exactly it was, but I agree. A little surprised to see that, but uh, nonetheless. uh, Of course, like we said, Brewers, amongst all other All-Stars, announced today, um, so certainly we'll be diving into that. I'm sure if you haven't already heard, Josh Hader uh, making another All-Star appearance, Corbin Burns back again after his breakout 2021 season, or maybe 2020, I guess, maybe his breakout season, whatever you want to call it, but Corbin Burns will be back for the All-Star game Uh, like I said, alongside Josh Hader, which actually ties into our trivia question today. Uh, David, our trivia question is, Josh Hader was elected to his fourth career All-Star appearance today, which places him third in career All-Star appearances among active closers. Can you name the two players that he is behind? So again, Josh Hader, third among active closers in All-Star appearances. Can you name the first two? I'll make it a little bit harder for you too, David. You've got to name them in order. Uh, We'll see if I can uh, challenge you on that. So, that's our trivia question of the day. As always, that will be at the end of the podcast. Uh
1: certainly be racking the brains for that one. David, who do you have for our random player of the day today? Today's random player of the day, Abraham Almonte, currently an outfielder at Triple A Nashville. Has not spent any time with the Brewers in the major leagues yet, but he is playing pretty well in triple A. 299 average, 395 on base with a 567 slugging. He can play all three outfield positions, although really is more suited for either left or right field, and that perhaps is why Jonathan Davis got the call to the big leagues instead of Almonte. Almonte was out hitting Davis, but with Almonte being not very good in center field defensively, Brewers likely chose to get the guy that they could depend on with the glove. But Almonte, with the way that he has been playing, could be the next up for a call, especially if Taylor and Renfro have to miss a significant amount of time still. Abraham Almonte um, is today's random player of the day, currently in AAA Nashville. Yeah, interesting to see the decision, obviously, to have Davis
0: come up. We'll see. Maybe Almonte gets a call up later. Uh, Neither guy I would have expected to appear this season. I I think back to our our draft we did of uh, kind of those no-name, low-level potential players that made it to the roster. Uh, Certainly, I know we'll be reviewing that. And I know I'm already uh, winning with uh, Jason Alexander, probably just him alone. But uh, surprising to see those outfielders. I know that was when we talked about it. It was kind of like, yeah, you know, you know, what scenario do we see Jonathan Davis and Abraham Almonte making the major leagues? And obviously, we stumbled across that, that option this year. So interesting to see uh, if we'll see Almonte up at all. I know he hasn't really had a lot of success in the major league level, but who knows? Maybe this is the year uh, he can uh, add some value for the Brewers. David, I know we also touched on the City Connect uniforms on our last podcast, but uh wanted to get your thoughts. I've got mine uh my my jersey. I, I went with I went with Urias. So we'll see that's uh in in shipping. I had to snag one of these. But what are your thoughts on the new City
1: Connect uniforms that the Brewers have? I think they're fabulous. I would give them I, I was pretty bullish on the, the Peralta bobblehead. Likewise, I'd say City Connects 8 out of 5 or er, excuse me 8.5 out of 10 8 out of 5 that would be yeah that that would be a, a very good and I think some aspects of it are an 8 out of 5 I love the powder blue bringing that back I think it's a great way to reincorporate powder blue into the color scheme especially with the yellow combined makes for a nice look and seeing them on the field I think are even better than seeing them kind of when they when they modeled them the hat's I do like the logo a lot. I'm not a big fan of powder blue hats. So that's kind of my one, my one negative that I have with the uniforms is that I feel like the hats maybe would have been better off if they were either just navy or perhaps maybe navy and yellow or maybe maybe yellow and navy with a little bit of powder blue accent. Uh, And the grill patch, of course. I I think that's everyone's favorite, the grill patch. That's what I've been hearing. And I did see that the Brewers are going to be selling some grill patch hats. So you can get some some trucker hats with just the grill patch. Um, Not really sure if you walk around in that and people are going to know that that's a Brewers logo. But it's a cool logo. So it might be one that I have to pick up. Yeah. No, that's
0: kind of just one of those fun things. And I agree. I think the jerseys, they, they really knocked it out of the ballpark to use a, a baseball term there. But uh, I, I think that the jerseys were outstanding. I thought the hats were okay. I'd maybe give that a a, a three out of five rather than an eight out of five. Um, but, but I think overall they, they did really well. Um, I'm happy with, with the way that they turned out. And like I said, I'll be picking up my pair of, uh, or not pair my, my jersey uh, for Luisi Rias on those city connect jerseys. So moving on here, we, again, we talked about Corbin Burns, Josh Hader making another all-star appearance here in 2022 um before we dive into both of those players, I, I think both of the, them were well-deserving. Um, any players that you thought that may have been missed on the Brewers roster?
1: I think the obvious one is Devin Williams. He's someone that has certainly had an all-star caliber first half. If you remember, he started off the year very slow, and we were a bit concerned about it. as velo was down, his command was way off, and he ended up being fine after his first handful of appearances seemed like he just needed a full spring training to really get ready for the season but uh, Williams missing out on the all-star game at least in the initial rosters and I think it's possible he makes it as an injury replacement there are a lot of those guys that pitch the Sunday before the all-star game have little nagging injuries and don't don't want to risk anything so I think it's possible we do see him in the all-star game but I think he is the obvious miss. Uh, among the Brewers in terms of the the players that were selected for the all-star game
0: yeah I agree I I think he is definitely deserving of an all-star appearance Um, like you said even with the rough couple of starts and and I was I was quite worried at the start of the year I I was I I was thinking we might have seen the the peak of Devin Williams career in 2020-2021 but certainly was not the case he's been outstanding uh, which has been really important for the Brewers bullpen that's been plagued with some injuries, of course, uh, some long-term injuries. And then, of course, the rotation also losing some players as well. So it's been really important to have him the, be there. I, I believe he leads the team um, in appearances as well. He's, as I look, It looks like he's got 36 appearances um, as of today. So I, I'm pretty sure that's uh, either first or second for the Brewers in appearances this year. Um, he has been very dependable, uh, very different from the first couple starts. So happy to see that. And I agree. I think he is deserving. I think we will see him. Um, I don't know if there's too much to talk about with Josh Hader and Corbin Burns. I think both players were pretty much locks. Of course, Josh Hader leading the leagues in saves. uh, Burns, an ERA around the 2.2 marks. So there's not much debate about whether those players are Um, all-stars. Who who do you project out as potentially being the NL all-star starting pitcher? Would you say that Corbin Burns has any uh, legitimate chance on that? I know especially given the last couple of years that he's has been uh, really stellar.
1: He is a possibility. I think with the game being in LA, it's likely to either be Tony Gonsolin or Clayton Kershaw. Those were the two guys that, that are on the Dodgers that were selected to the game. Gonsolin actually has maybe been the best starter in the NL this year, and he's kind of an unknown. So starting him wouldn't be the, like the entertainment, the made for TV all-star game feel but Kershaw would have that feel Kershaw getting to start in LA Uh, not only the the nostalgia of Kershaw from a few years back being the best pitcher in baseball far and away and now him getting to start the all-star game in his home ballpark and he is having a great year is he having the best year of any NL starting pitcher definitely not but I think having him start would be something that would be would be good for the game and and good for uh good for tv even good for for the the tv ratings
0: yeah kershaw's had eight all-star appearances but he has yet to start an all-star game which is actually pretty surprising given that he's been one of the best pitchers you could argue the best pitcher since he came up um back in that 08 time frame um but yeah eight eight selections yet to start an all-star game which is surprising so i agree i think if you're looking at from the entertainment aspect i think that's a likely pick Uh, you certainly couldn't go wrong with corbin burns i think if you looked at The way he's pitched, he certainly has thrown his name into the consideration um, and will be well-deserving for that. Um, He's been nothing but outstanding this year, obviously, and like I said, has helped give stability at the top of the rotation with with Rodruff being out for some time. Of course, Peralta, Hauser as well on the injured list. So um, certainly important. Any of those position players that you see the Brewers having an outside chance of getting in even as a replacement, or likely just the two uh, plus potentially Williams?
1: I think it's unlikely – I mean, I suppose if like two catchers got hurt, then maybe Omar Narvaez would be next in line. Or if we saw one or two shortstop injuries, maybe Willie Adames would be the next guy up. But I think it's very unlikely. Um, Then again, uh, maybe I should have an overreaction to, to counter your Devin Williams may have reached his peak in 2021 because we saw a couple bad outings out of him at the start of the year.
0: That's true. That's true. Well, and actually, you mentioned Omar Narvaez. It made me think about Pedro Severino. Uh, we didn't mention this, but of course, Severino back. Uh, I honestly forgot about him, to be honest. Um, I saw him uh, playing in today's game. Unfortunately, I saw him miss that uh, pass, pass ball that caused a run to score in that Pittsburgh game. A relatively easy pitch. I don't know if he
1: the, got crossed the up. Any thoughts. The overzealous frame job. That's what it seemed yeah. like to me. I was I at agree. the game sitting in terrace box. so I was actually like right behind home plate. So you could see balls and strikes, at least from the the side to side, Um, like laterally, you could see balls and strikes really well. And I'm like, I saw him and the ball was like not far away from the strike zone and he just missed it and it cost a run. And I was a little bit upset because it's not like we have to have Pedro Severino catching like we we could have. I mean, I get that you want to use him since you have him. And maybe he is one of your few best hitters against lefties. But it's just annoying because we traded for Caratini. Well, and Caratini's been good. I I like. I think that we should keep playing Caratini pretty regularly. I almost think that the Brewers should maybe try to just trade Severino to a, a non-contending team in a trade, even if the really the value that he adds to a, a rebuilding team is maybe marginal just like a veteran catcher that catches 35 40% of the time but it's just such an awkward fit cuz he also can't play in the playoffs so you like what are you really going to do I mean yeah you have him for the second half and sure they could keep him next year but they can also keep Narvaez and Caratini next year and both of them have have played well so I don't really see that kind of I don't really see that switching anytime soon where they now want to keep Severino over Narvaez or Caratini for next year.
0: I agree. It's it's an awkward situation. It was an awkward situation. Uh, and unfortunate Brewers having to, of course, trade for, um, trade for Caratini after the Severino suspension. You think it's likely the Brewers will just plan to carry three catchers the second half of the year or swap out Severino and Caratini?
1: I think they will if they don't trade Severino, and assuming everyone stays healthy, because Severino's out of options. Caratini is not, but Caratini's easily played himself into the big league roster, so you're not going to really option Caratini at this point. Narvaez, of course, is staying in the majors. I think unless they trade Severino, that, that they're just going to carry three catchers, and they do at least have have the uh, advantage or, or the benefit of the fact that Caratini and Narvaez both have hit because if you have a catcher that isn't hitting then of course he doesn't really provide any value at another position would you want Caratini DHing every day definitely not but having him DH from time to time sure that's fine especially with McCutcheon filling in in the outfield for some of the the injured guys too
0: yeah and I mean I know it's not as prevalent now with the DH but also a, a bat off the bench neither of those guys are are, I don't know, those defense-first veteran catchers that you have as backups. Jeff Mathis, there's the name I was looking for, that type of backup catcher where there's zero value in putting him up to, to bat either. Um, both of those guys can still swing the bat. So in a in a matchup situation where you want a lefty or righty, um, or I guess Caratini obviously being a switch hitter, but um, a favorable matchup, I could see them using them off the bench. But either way, regardless, uh, I, I think it'll be – it's kind of an, uh, an interesting – scenario that uh, we'll see how the Brewers navigate that and whether Severino is traded. I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it.
1: Yeah, and speaking of no value with the bat, um, we we have on the, the next topic some center field trade options for the Brewers. Uh, no value with the bat kind of goes along with the Brewers' current center field situation. I mean, maybe not today. Jonathan Davis had a single and a double, stole second. Um, he actually played well, but it was his first good game. I don't mind having Davis if he's like the fifth outfielder. Maybe fourth, but starting, not great. Yeah. Agreed.
0: No, I absolutely agree. And Tyrone Taylor, as a fill-in for, of course, the Lorenzo Kane situation, the Brewers releasing him, He's he's been okay. I mean, we couldn't have really expected him to be an everyday outfielder. I think I was hoping maybe that he would play a little bit better. Uh, with some of the power that we saw last year from him, uh, but at this point Taylor's been one of the worst offensive center fielders in in baseball among starting center fielders, of course. Um, and so I know David, you had some thoughts around the specific stats that we've seen uh, from the offensive production from Taylor this far.
1: Yeah, there there are forty seven players with at least a hundred fifty plate appearances who have played a good amount of center field. Of those forty seven, which if if you think okay, about thirty starters around the league. Taylor's currently 27th in war 26th in WRC plus just a refresher WRC plus is on a scale of 100 being average um, and every percentage point means that you are 1% better than league average so like 101 means I'm 1% better of a hitter than average war of course being a cumulative measure that tries to estimate uh, we, we use war a lot but Taylor has has not really been, I wouldn't quite say he's been a liability for the Brewers, but he definitely hasn't produced a lot of value. And if you're a good team and not a, the Brewers aren't a team where they have a really good lineup at the top, where they can kind of take that hit from maybe one guy who's a, a glove first guy. The Brewers don't really have that. They have a lineup that's built around depth. In fact, they have, I think, 10 guys with, 100 or better WRC plus so basically is an average hitter or better Tyrone Taylor is not one of those nor is Jonathan Davis or really any of the other options in center field so the options really to to try to solve that is to either add a big bat in the middle and then you can let uh, you can let a center fielder play who's not really going to produce that much with the bat or you can try to just lengthen the lineup a little bit more because that does still add value even if you don't have the big bat that maybe you would ideally like I don't know that the Brewers are really going to get like a true middle of the lineup like Christian Yelich 2018 um, like that kind of guy you're not really going to be able to get that mid-season on the trade market nor would the Brewers ever be willing to uh, trade for someone like that but there are some options, I think, that the Brewers have on the table, some more likely than others and some more desirable than others. Unfortunately, I don't know if the, the more desirable and the more likely are the same players. We've seen uh, Stearns in more recent years be a little bit more stingy on acquiring players. More like when, whenever we want somebody, he gets like the Walmart version of that player. (laughs) So like last year it was like, let's get a good offensive third baseman. And here's Eduardo Escobar. Okay. He can play, but he's not going to be a huge difference maker or we need a good lefty reliever and somebody who can eat some innings in the middle relief. Let's get Daniel Norris and John Curtis Uh, or, or even like Curtis Granderson, like the Brewers needed, needed some offense from the outfield position and they added a bench bat. Okay. I mean, he, he he helps, but he's not he, he's not maybe quite the guy you you need.
0: The one thing I wonder with this, this, this scenario, I mean, looking at it from, I'm doing my best to look at it from Stearns, from Arnold, from the Brewers' front office's perspective, and I felt this for the last couple of years, that the Brewers needed to be more aggressive in both the offseason and at the trade deadline, and, and like you said, they haven't been. He typically makes marginal improvements to the Brewers roster. I mean, if there was a year to do it, every year felt like the year to do it. But if there was a year to do it of the last you know, five or six years, this is certainly, I think, uh, the most extreme case where it's quite clear the need. And the Brewers are close, I think, um, to being World Series contenders. And I think that they are... If we do add one of the desirable options here in center field, the Brewers do become a World Series contender. And I think without that, the way that I've seen the Brewers play this year, which, again, don't get me wrong, has been pretty good. The Brewers are first in the National League Central. They're nine games over five hundred and we're here in the middle of July. So the Brewers are a good team. They're having a good season. And we can all agree the Brewers are going to make the playoffs. I'm quite confident in that. And I think the Brewers do have a good chance at making a good run in the playoffs, but this current roster is not going to cut it. The Brewers are not going to win a World Series with this offense, and I think that this is the year to do it, and I wouldn't necessarily count the Brewers out in making a big trade. It would be unlike, uncharacteristic-like of them, of Stern, since he's taken the helm in the Brewers' front office, but I wouldn't necessarily rule it out. I wonder if he's even been waiting for this moment to really, really be at a point where the Brewers could make that uh, big change from you know good postseason contender to World Series contender, and maybe this is the year. I know it would take a lot, and I will get there shortly here on what the Brewers could be looking at giving up, depending on the asset that they're going for. But um, I I guess I'll I'll get off my uh, monologue here. But I think to sum up what I'm saying, it, this is the year to do it, and I I'm not counting the Brewers out in making a big splash.
1: It would be surprising, but I, I do, in some sense, agree with you. I think it would surprise me if the Brewers did make a big trade for for someone important this this midseason. I mean, we saw—I I would say really like the only big trade that Stearns has made for a player at all has been Yelich. Like that was a big trade for a, for a major leaguer. And that was in the off season, but I, I don't think Stearns is like, well, I'll make that move in the off season, but I won't make it mid season. I think just kind of everything lined up where he thought it was worth it, and he said before that he wants the Brewers to have as many bites at the apple rather than having like two big bites at the apple, which I think he he may be right in looking at the Braves won the world series last year and they won 87 games. They were 500 at the all-star break. It was a team that you weren't expecting to make a deep run. Even remember, we were talking about how lucky the Brewers got with their matchup with the Braves and look what happened. They, They ended up winning the world series. So I think that, I think that perhaps yes, he is right, but there is also a time where you need to, make your team like a a world series contender because i think there is a clear difference between a playoff team and a world series contender.
0: Yeah, i agree and i think i think that uh I, I don't know if this is a fair comparison but i Doug Melvin, i remember that kind of had that the same philosophy and i know it's maybe a a laughable comparison to say that the brewers were um to compare Melvin era brewers to this. But i mean even even if you think to like 2011, 2008 brewers Um, and some of those teams that competed they were good teams they were playoff teams Uh, they weren't really true world series contenders on paper and I agree that there can be some years like like last year the Braves a lot of times we really haven't seen a lot of those I know that we've got that you know just happened last year so it's more front of mind for us but for the most part we haven't seen a lot of that Uh, the obvious one I think back to of course is the Cardinals 06 I believe Um, Wainwright and Yadier uh, Molina of course the wild card uh, team so I think about a couple of those examples and I get what the, the philosophy is of trying to get bites at the apple. My question, I guess, would be how many bites do we have left? Uh, legitimate bites, <laughs> I guess, if we're going to uh, continue the, the the analogy. But looking at the the Brewers' control of, of guys like Josh Hader, of course, the big arms, Burns and Woodruff, uh, Williams, all those players. I know we still have some time. It's not like this is the last year. But at the same time, if we trade – um, uh, you know, an 18 year old prospect, 19 year old prospect, 21 year old prospect, you know, guys who are still several years from coming up, who aren't going to make an impact with the current class of players we have now, that to me is something to consider to say, yeah, we we might, you know, this might hurt the system. Farm system It's going to hurt the system. It's going to hurt the, the 2027 brewers maybe. Uh, but if we can give ourselves maybe two big bites in 2022 and 2023 or something to that regard, um. Yeah, I, I guess we'll we'll continue the conversation as we uh, continue to approach the trade deadline. But speaking of of farm ha- farm uh, Brewers farm system and prospects, obviously any of these trades would require uh, some at a minimum decent prospects. Would you say there are any untouchable prospects where, regardless of the player, um, regardless of the quality and potential he would have on the Brewers roster, you just wouldn't want to see the Brewers trade at this point?
1: I think there is one and. He is more of a, maybe a member of the 2027 Brewers that you were kind of belittling just in your previous, uh, your previous spiel, but that is Jackson Shorio. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that quite right. Shor- Shorio C H O U R I O. And you just gotta say it confidently, yes, Jackson Shorio, there we go. And he was born on March 11th, 2004. Um, So all of you can feel old. He is younger than me, which makes me feel old, which doesn't really say a lot. That just means I'm older than 2004. But this year in a ball, he is the lowest, excuse me, the youngest player in the league. And he has a 972 OPS. And he's nine steals also, in addition to his 12 home runs and his 601 slugging, he's hitting 320. The Brewers just signed him a couple years back out of the Dominican Republic, or excuse me, the Venezuela, and he looks like the real deal. Scouts are saying that he's far and away the best prospect they've seen in the league the whole year. He's uh, went from like being a mid-level prospect, like, kind of a lottery ticket type, into being a legit, like very good prospect. And even I heard that one scout from another team said he thinks that He's kind of following in the steps of Ronald Acuna Jr., Juan Soto, Wander Franco, Vlad Guerrero Jr. in the very young international signee, just dominates and has these outstanding physical tools and will get to the majors at a very young age and will ultimately be a star and at least has all the tools to be a star. I mean, we are talking about someone who was born in 2004 and we will see him in the futures game this year. I um, actually have that queued up to uh, talk about a little bit later, uh, some of the, the updates on the Brewers' prospects. But I do believe that Jackson Shorio should be untouchable in the Brewers' organization. But other than Shorio, I don't think there are any others that I would not trade. Even Ethan Small, somebody who could help the team this year, or Bryce Two I think if you get the right amount of value for Two Ring or Small, I think that it would be worth trading them.
0: Yeah, I think I would generally agree with with you on on Jackson Churio. Uh, I think that the combination of his performance this year and how young he is, his value is probably not there as a trade piece as much because he is still 18, um, and there are some you know crazy comparisons out there to what he can be, but the the value of trading him probably isn't at a, I think at a point where you would want to trade him given the huge potential upside the scouts are saying he has. So I I would generally agree with that. Um, and uh, one more thing before we actually jump into some potential targets the Brewers could have, um, among small and 2 rang names that have been thrown around, of course there's Sal Free, like Joey Weimer, Garrett Mitchell as well. Uh, brewers top prospects. I would be most in favor of trading Bryce Tourang, uh, just given the position, you know, middle infielder. Brewers have Adames, uh, even Urias over at third. And even Wong for some time, I would be more in favor of trading him um, than Ethan Small, but I would be certainly open to trading both of those players. And I think most as we get as we go through these uh, potential targets, most most of these players will likely require both of them, and, and some players even more than that.
1: I agree with that on two rank positionally. Also, Joey Weimer, he's been. I mean, he's he's not having the year he did last year when he was. Three home runs short of a 30-30 season, which really never happens at the minor league level, because if you start playing really well, then you're going to get promoted, and then there's a good chance that you're not going to keep performing at that level. But he did even after getting promoted, and now he's in Double A, and he's still been pretty good in Double A. But I think maybe you try to sell high on his his uh, his stock right now. Of course, there's always a chance that you end up being wrong in that, but uh, that is combined with him being a corner outfielder. The Brewers typically have less of a need for corner outfield. Um, they have, I, I mean, in the past, they haven't had an issue getting corner outfielders. Um, whether or not that continues to be the case, of course, I don't know. But I'd say let's get started on talking about who our trade targets could be, at least in center field.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with uh, some of the smaller names, and we'll end with with uh, the, the biggest and hopeful target that the Brewers could, could have in center field. So let's start out with Michael A. Taylor um former nationals is he with uh, i forget now is he still with the nationals
1: he's with the royals now
0: that's right that's right so michael taylor i know uh, know him from the nationals obviously in that uh, bryce harper era over there um pretty good pretty good season Uh, 108 weighted runs created plus uh, from him this year and an okay defender in center again not a stud offensive player to add to the lineup but uh, probably just you know adding to depth of decent bats Uh, What are your thoughts on on adding Michael Taylor to the Brewers roster, and and what would you see the potential cost for someone like him?
1: I think that we're starting with the most likely option for the Brewers. He is uh, the Walmart Brian Reynolds or the Walmart Cedric Mullins. I guess I'm kind of giving away who our our next targets are, although you could probably guess kind of who they are. Uh, We've been hearing their names all over Twitter within the Brewers community. I think Michael A. Taylor is the most likely He's better versus left-handed pitchers than right-handed pitchers, which I think is important. was looking at their splits today. The Brewers have a 745 OPS against righties this year. Lefties, they have a 683 OPS against. Uh, League average is 707. So they've been considerably better than average against righties, but they have been worse than average against lefties. Adding someone like Taylor, Michael A. Taylor, could help, and it could push Tyrone Taylor into a fourth outfield role. And I think that would be more beneficial. I think Tyrone Taylor would be at his best when he's playing about 250 plate appearances per year, maybe 300, something like that. Fills in as a starter for a short time, an injury. I don't think that's a bad option, but I don't think he's a long-term starter. Michael A. Taylor is under team control through next year as well. Uh, The possible costs, of course, these are just my estimations. I don't have any inside information. I would guess it'd be two mid-level prospects. So I don't think this would cost the Brewers anyone. Uh, Shorio, Fralick, Weimer. Uh, probably not Ethan Small, I would I would guess. Um, and and they wouldn't be willing to give up maybe some of their really young guys that could end up being good. Some names that I think the Brewers could deal in a trade like this, Freddie Zamora, Felix Valerio, Joe Gray Jr. Uh, perhaps one of their pitchers. I don't know that they'd be willing to trade Antoine Kelly in a trade for Michael A. Taylor. He's having a very good year. But perhaps someone like Russell Smith, who's been pretty good. Abner Uribeck, who could be a late-inning reliever at some point in the near future. Uh, guys along those lines, I think I think it would take maybe two of those guys. Taylor's not super inexpensive, uh, but he still is making um, $4.5 this year. It's not nothing. I think that would maybe add to it a little bit. And I think that he's probably the most likely target, maybe not the most interesting one, but someone that I think would still help improve the Brewers.
0: Yeah, it would be an improvement for the Brewers to add Taylor. And I think if 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 we do go to the deadline, the Brewers do get Michael a Walmart Taylor um, and he joins the Brewers ranks on the roster. I, I will still be, I'll be slightly disappointed, but at least content with the, the trade for our center fielder Uh, Certainly, if they don't make an addition there, I I will not be happy. So I'll still be real relatively happy and content with the Brewers trading for Taylor. And if we're talking to mid-level prospects, I think that's not a lot to give up for a guy who is going to be a decent average everyday player. Like you said, slots Tyrone Taylor back in that fourth outfielder where he uh, really should be, I think, at this point. And it gives the Brewers control over Taylor, uh, Michael A. Taylor, both for 2022 or the remainder of it, and then also 2023. So we get... A little over a year and a half of Taylor um, with the Brewers, um, who now have uh, kind of a, an obvious hole in center field for both this year and next year. So let's move on to our next player. You mentioned him already, Cedric Mullins. Um, having a good year. Um, last year, I know he had a better year than he's having this year. Perhaps that maybe lowers his stock slightly. Uh, certainly could be a little bit better of a player than, than Taylor. Uh, what do you see the odds of the Brewers getting Cedric Mullins? Um, and what are your thoughts on if that would be a good acquisition for the Brewers?
1: I think the odds are pretty low that they get Mullins, although he still would be a pretty good fit. Uh, like you said, he had a six F war season last year, worth six wins above replacement would have been two wins higher than the Brewers best position player in Willie Adames. He's still, I would say about an average hitter this year. Uh, he's got good speed. He's a good defender in center field. So he is a very valuable player. I think that, Perhaps we saw the best of him last year, so I would be cautious on what we're giving up because I don't know that we're going to maybe see 2021 Cedric Mullins come back. Nobody really saw that coming. Uh, the power was a little bit higher than, than really he had ever been projected for, and with the balls being de-juiced this year, that might uh, that might bring the power numbers back a little bit. And I don't know if we're going to see the juiced balls coming back, Other drawback is he's much better against right-handed pitching than left-handed pitching. So we could be uh, maybe adding someone to our strength in right-handed pitching, but could be further contributing to the Brewers' difficulties against left-handed pitching. The cost is going to be pretty high. I think that in order for the the Orioles to part with Mullins, it might require two of the Brewers' top 100 prospects. And when I say top 100, I mean top 100 overall league-wide plus another good prospect, and then another piece somewhere, and maybe even a little bit more than that. I don't really know what the market looks like for center field around the league, and I don't really know how willing the Orioles are to part with Mullins. I would guess not very willing, but I think that we'd be looking at a trade somewhere. I, I guess my, my mock trade would be Sal Frelick, Joey Weimer. Bryce Turang and someone like Logan Henderson, Abner Uribe. Someone who maybe could be a big league contributor but not a an impact player for the fourth piece. But I think it might it, it would probably require at least starting with Freelic and Weimer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I I think it would be a pretty big haul off the Brewers to try to acquire Mullins. And because of that, I would prefer potentially another target. Mullins isn't my favorite guy to target after the way he's performed this year. And I think that there's perhaps uh, another better option um, as well. Another option the Brewers could acquire, Ramon Laureano. um, Been a pretty good hitter uh, since debuting in 2018. Uh, Pretty good defender as well. Uh, What are your thoughts on the Brewers acquiring Laureano?
1: I would be more interested in Laureano than Mullins. I think... I think he would probably require a little bit less than Mullins. Uh, for his career also, he's hitting two eighty-five with an eight twenty-seven OPS against lefties, seven seventy-six OPS against righties. So that would play into the Brewers improving on their weakness. He is a free agent in 2026, so he's got a few more years under team control. Still very affordable, making just $2 million this year. He also... I mean, He's been consistent. He's had a WRC Plus over 100 each of his five years in the big league so far. Coming off a PED suspension that he had late last year and then served a little bit of it towards the beginning of this year. I don't know how much of a concern that is. Uh, He's eligible for the playoffs still because when you do get suspended, it's the year that you're suspended that you're ineligible for the playoffs. So I think that's the main concern. I don't think that a PED suspension would cause any clubhouse friction or would would cause a big performance drop off. I think it's unlikely that he has been using PEDs his whole career and just now got caught in twenty twenty one.
0: Yeah, I agree. If if this is a player with a year or two track record, that would be more concerning, but five years of solid uh, offensive production, I, I like Loriano. I think he could add a lot. Do I remember him that he's got a, a good a good arm in center?
1: He's got a cannon. That's a Brett Phillips esque
0: yeah, that's what I remembered back with the with the A's in 2018, 2019 when he was debuting just a cannon in center. Um, so yeah, I think that I I would agree with you. I like that option better than Mullins. Maybe you could say Mullins has better upside with the, of course, big season he had last year. L'Oreano is not going to do that. Uh, we we're pretty confident about that. But I'm not sure Mullins will do that again, um, in in his career. So the the cost of of Laureano I think is much more reasonable and really much more likely, I think, of these four players. I think I would say Mullins is probably the least likely that the Brewers get, uh, probably followed up by here, our next player, who we'll jump into here. Any other thoughts before I go into the last target on Laureano?
1: I think acquiring Loreano would require the Brewers to give up at least one of Freilich or Weimer. I don't know that they would have to give up both for him necessarily. Maybe some trade along the lines of Weimer, Turang, and Small. Um, or Weimer, maybe maybe instead of small, substitute him in with maybe a lower-level guy with the A's being in a long rebuild. Maybe the A's want Hefferson Carreau, who's a very young catcher. The Brewers have an A ball, just 19 years old right now. I think there are some options. I I, I think the Brewers would probably have to part with either Sal Frelick or Joey Weimer in order to make this trade happen. In fact, I'm quite certain that they would Plus another one of their players that's, that's maybe kind of bordering up on that top 100, um, and then some more. So again, it's not going to be cheap. Perhaps the PED suspension lowered his value a little bit. I'm not exactly sure, really, because I guess Darling Marte is really the only other guy I can think of that was traded soon after a PED suspension, and he still got uh, well. I guess when he was traded initially, his value, I think, was a little bit lower than it would have been. So maybe we don't really know exactly what that looks like. Either way, the Brewers have to give up a fair amount of prospect capital.
0: Yeah, and Loriano does have control for several years, so I think that that is a little bit different too. Um, so if the Brewers were to give up uh, that, that type of package, like you said, uh, a, a free-lick 2 rang plus another you know top-30 Brewer prospect um, for L'Oreano. Again, I don't know if that's the, the that that would get him here, but if it did, I, I would be in favor of that trade uh, for a guy who's going to play solid center field uh, for several years for the Brewer. So let's move on to our last target, biggest target, best case scenario. Not the the Walmart. I don't know what the what the uh, comparison target. I, I'm not sure. Costco, probably Costco, definitely Costco. Um, the gold Brian, standard of everything. Yes. yes, absolutely. Kirkland Brand, Brian Reynolds. Uh, he's been the top Kirkland target signature. <laughs> he's been the top target cedric uh, mullins among... is
1: like Kirk... regular like kirkland like regular would be like cedric mullins <laughs> brian reynolds is like kirkland's signature organic center fielder brian reynolds
0: so does that make tyrone taylor kmart or
1: i uh <laughs> cvs I, I mean jonathan davis maybe is kmart
0: No, it'd be CVS. It's more of like a a quick, like, in and out. You stop in, grab something, and go. So that fits Jonathan uh, Davis' speed and defense. Okay, so here we go. Brian Reynolds, our Kirkland signature player of the day. That sounds like they were sponsored by by, uh, Costco. Uh, But Brian Reynolds, top center field trade target across the league. Excuse me, across the league. Um, He has been um, outstanding. He'd really be the Brewers' uh, best bat in that lineup uh, based on what we've seen so far. Um, would be that star power that the Brewers are, are really lacking. Um, so I could go on and on about the the value that Reynolds could add to the Brewers. Uh, maybe you could touch on that and then more realistically talk about the possible cost to acquire a big bat who's controllable through 2026.
1: Yeah, it was a little bit funny during today's game. Reynolds got abruptly removed from the game, pinch hit four in the seventh inning, and the trade rumors on Twitter were swirling, and he had right side tightness, which was very disappointing even though I knew full well that it was unlikely he went to the Brewers, should that have happened. uh, It still did get my hopes up briefly because of switch dugouts. But since his debut in 2019, fifth in wins above replacement, sixth in WRC Plus among center fielders, one of the best around the league. He was worth six war last year, like Mullins, although he had a little bit more of a track record going in. In 2019, his rookie year, he played 134 games. Hit 314 and slugged over 500. And although he had a rough 2020 shortened campaign, and we can kind of probably throw that away, a little 55 game sample, uh, came back in 2021 with his outstanding campaign. And even this year, his numbers are a little bit down. He's hitting just 262, but he's been a little bit less fortunate in terms of his Babip. Perhaps his batting average on balls in play will even out a little bit kind of similar to how it was last year, and his defense in center is overall, I would say, maybe slightly below average, but slightly below average for a center fielder is still pretty valuable because it's one of the most demanding positions on the field. He's effective against both lefties and righties, slightly better against righties, but he is still pretty good against lefties, so he would present an upgrade in center field. Under team control through 2026, the cost would be steep. It'd be more than any of the other guys that we've mentioned before, I would guess that for sure Fralick and Weimer would need to be parted with. Probably either Tourang or Hefferson Kiro. Maybe I feel like I'm just like listing all their prospects they have right now. But I, I would guess two high end prospects in Fralick and Weimer, maybe two mid level prospects. Someone maybe Tourang. Tourang is pretty good for a mid-level prospect, Ethan Small perhaps, Tyler Black, um, Felix Valerio, maybe Antoine Kelly because Kelly is having a very good year and his value is high. I think he would be in high demand as a prospect, kind of similarly to Josh Hader back in 2015 when the Brewers acquired him as a prospect. That's kind of what um, the way that Kelly has been pitching, what he reminds me of. So I think that they probably would need to part with two high-level prospects, two mid-level prospects, and then maybe one other intriguing piece in order to get Reynolds. Would it be worth it? I generally think so. But it's, of course, a tough call.
0: Yeah. I think what makes the the question of would it be worth it easier is knowing that we're not talking about having Reynolds for a year and a half. I mean, we're talking about having – a, you know, top, probably top five, for sure top 10 center fielder in all of baseball, probably for the next four years in Reynolds. And and maybe this is a bias against the Brewers' top prospects. Uh, actually, a quick, quick, uh, quick side note on a YouTube video we recently uploaded. Uh, that David went through how the Brewers successfully failed their rebuild. I uh, highly recommend checking out that YouTube video on our YouTube channel. Uh, but he talked about, David, you talked about um, how really the Brewers' top prospects didn't really all pan out. Of course, Orlando Arcia being the biggest one. And so maybe it's a little bit of a bias from that, um, where I'm more willing to see Freelich and Weimer go in a trade for uh, uh, an established you know, star, I guess you could call Brian Reynolds. Um, and so maybe it's partly that. Um, but I think when I look at both the value he can add on the 2022 Brewers, 2023 Brewers, but also for several years after, you know, even if we did give up Freelich, Weimer, Touring, maybe two other uh, mid to uh, late top 30 prospects among the Brewers' farm system, I would still be in favor of it. And, and again, maybe it's a little bit reckless and in tw- the 2027 Brewers will be uh, upset at me for, for making that uh, statement. But I would stand behind it given that it would give the Brewers, I think, legitimate chances at winning the World Series both this year and next year with Reynolds probably in that middle of the order um, makes a huge difference. So I, I guess to sum up, Uh, the Brewers' options, four big trade targets, uh, at least that we broke down today. Michael A. Taylor, Cedric Mullins, Ramon Laureano, Brian Reynolds. Uh, I think there's really no debate. I think it's a pretty consensus decision that uh, Reynolds would be the the, the number one choice. And I think, David, you and I both agree that Laureano uh, are probably our second choice, but Taylor being more likely. Um, Any final thoughts here on those four targets uh, before we move on?
1: Yeah, kind of to come full circle on the, the trade targets and the whole bites of the Apple analogy that I just really want to circle back to. <laughs> um, Burns and Woodruff are under contract through 2025 or un- under team control through twenty five, And I think realistically, that's more or less the Brewers' window that they have to win. Haters under contract or under control through next year. And I think the Brewers, Well, he is, of course, a very valuable member to the team, they can win without him. Like it'd be possible to still get past him. I, I don't. I don't really think the Brewers are going to re-sign Hater. And could the Brewers re-sign Burns or Woodruff? Maybe one of them, but I don't even. I don't know if they'll be willing to, especially with the way we've seen Atanasio's overall lack of spending over the past couple of years. Um, plus, in addition to that, they are both going to be. I think Woodruff thirty two and Burns thirty one at that point. So that's a very risky investment for pitchers. And I I don't even know if I'd feel comfortable giving them the amount that they'd probably receive. So I think realistically, you need to get as big of bites of the apple through 2025. You want to get those big bites, but you also want to get as many bites of the apple. But you don't want the bites to be too small. So to really... Ring out every last meaning inside of David Stern's analogy that he probably came up with 20 seconds before he said it one time to some random newspaper reporter. I think that would probably be, make the most sense to acquire somebody that would have value now and for a few years in order to maximize that. And I think I think the 2027 Brewers would forgive you, um, and and I think probably 2027 Mets. President David Stearns would be okay after he uh, won the 2023 World Series with the Brewers. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, again, a lot of those uh, pl- players,
0: Freelich, um, even Weimer, um, even, I, I mean, 2 and small certainly could have an impact this year. And I think it's uh, certainly, I would hope that they'll make an impact, uh, like you said, through that 2025 season. I think you're right. Uh, the, I guess one way to look at it is is—is until Josh Hader is gone, but I agree. The Brewers still have a chance after he's gone. Maybe I'm a little short-sighted to say that the Brewers have this year and next year. Um, you are probably right; they have through to 2025, um, realistically. But if we're giving up some potential prospects who might make an impact in 25, 26, 27 to have better chances in 22, 23, 24, um, by all means, I think it's it's well worth it. So I think we've parsed that out far enough, and we've actually already touched on Jackson. Churio um, and Antoine Kelly, but both of those players being selected for the futures game, we'll see how they perform representing the Brewers uh, there. Both of them really having breakout years. You already touched on Churio. Anything else that you'd add
1: on both he or Kelly' seasons this far? Churio, we kind of we kind of dived into enough, but Kelly, he's a three seven six ERA, which might sound like pretty good, but not outstanding. But this is somebody that's had potential for a while, but never really has been able to put it together. And he's finally starting to do that in high A Wisconsin with the Timber Rattlers. So far this year in 79 innings, he struck out 104 batters and he's walked just 44, which is very good for somebody who really the main question has been command for him in his time as a prospect. He's an electric arm and somebody who has been working at about five innings a start and has been taking the ball every five days or, or seven days, I guess. Um, six, seven days. I'm not sure exactly how often they pitch. But 16 starts this year, averaging five innings a start, which is is also a step up because the last time he started regularly, he was averaging two to three innings a start. So he is definitely the Brewers' breakout prospect this year. And I think that a lot of people were were speculating it would happen at some point, but seeing it actually happen is, is uh, definitely something that I'm excited about and something that could boost his stock in the trade market like I had talked about a little bit before. MLB.com also updated their top 100 prospects and we've we've kind of been talking them littering their names throughout this episode. Sal Frelick is one of the members that got pushed up in the top 100 list up at 49. He's having a good year in high A initially and then double A. Joey Weimer in double A at number 63. And those are the main guys that the the only two guys that were pushed into the top 100, a little bit of movement beyond that in their own prospect list, but we can save that for another day to go into perhaps after they've dealt half of them at the trade deadline. Hopefully.
0: Oh, I guess so. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully uh Churio is still there. Uh, and who knows? I mean, certainly he has the, the potential to be a top 10 prospect uh, with how young he is. So we'll see exciting to see what he can do. Um, so here, before we head out, David, let's revisit our trivia question from today Um, if you recall our trivia question here josh Hader was elected to his fourth career all-star appearance today which places him third in career all-star appearances among active closers can you name the players who are uh, number one and number two
1: kenley jansen and craig kimbrell in that order
0: all right so we got kenley jansen and uh who was your second selection
1: Kimbrel Kimbrel
0: so that is actually incorrect the number one in uh, career all-star appearances among active closers is Craig Kimbrel so you did have that correct okay Kimbrel has eight appearances I forget that he started back in 2010 he's had 13 years now in the big leagues Um, so he leads uh, active closers or active relievers I guess however you want to phrase it with eight all-star appearances Number two is actually Aroldis Chapman, just one appearance behind Kimbrel. Chapman has seven appearances. Ironically, he and Kimbrel both debuting in twenty ten. I think back to Chapman's debut, of course, against the Brewers on the electric fastball that he had. That was a uh, fun to watch, even though of course against uh, Craig wasn't Council, a fan. I
1: think. I think, Council I think so. hit against him, and Luke it's Roy not too. Feel like Chapman is that old?
0: Yeah, I know, right? It's crazy to to, to think about that. Aroldis Chapman and Kimbrel have been around that long. So uh, Kimbrell, number one, eight appearances. Um, Chapman, number two, with seven appearances. Believe it or not, Josh Hader actually has more all-star appearances than Kenley Jansen now. Hader now has four appearances um, in his young career. Kenley Jansen, three appearances in 2016, 2017, and 2018. Uh, So just three appearances for uh, Kenley Jansen. And you know who also has more all-star appearances than Kenley Jansen among active relievers? Mark Melanson. He has four all-star appearances. So uh, kind of an interesting one uh, looking back at, I know closers are are always a a bit interesting. Obviously saves um, are are weighted heavily in all-star selections, but Josh Hader uh, tied for third among active relief pitchers, all-star appearances in his early career.
1: I'm just looking quickly at Kenley Jansen's baseball reference page. Between 2012 and 15, he averaged 32 saves and a 2.3 ERA with about uh, on average 104 strikeouts in 69 innings per year, and he somehow was not an All Star in any of those years. And he played for a big market too, which is right.
0: Even yeah, even more surprising. Uh, I, I'll be honest when you when you mentioned his name, um, I, I was I I kind of had to take a double take to see if I missed something because uh, I was surprised to only see three appearances um, for a guy who I mean really Jansen Kimbrell. And Chapman have been the obvious three best closers um, since 2010. Actually, <laughs> I, I, I uh, just realized that both three of them, all three of them, I should say, actually debuted in 2010. So all three of them have no question been the best closers in baseball from 2010, uh, the year that they debuted until um, now. But for some reason, Kimbrel and Chapman getting more exposure in the All-Star game. So Regardless, Josh Hader will make his fourth All-Star Game uh, selection here in 2022. Corbin Burns also being elected. So, David, here, as we wrap up, many things covered here. But uh, what is our stat of the day today? we got a new one here. Uh, Any surprising stat that you've got shared with us today?
1: Today's stat of the day, the Brewers' team batting average on balls in play is 278. And it's typically used as a marker for how fortunate a team is, how lucky a team is on batted balls, there's actually not much correlation year-to-year in that. The Brewers' 278 mark ranks 24th across Major League Baseball, whereas the league average is 288. The Brewers' 10 points below that. Some notable Brewers and their BABUPS, Willie Adames just 237, Colton Wong 266, Luis Urias 257, Rowdy at 239, perhaps all of them could have some regression to the mean in the second half. And Keston Hura's BABIP 420 uh, could be seeing some uh, some negative regression for Keston Hura. Hopefully not, but um, a little bit unsustainable, the amount of batted balls that are falling in the right place for him.
0: Yeah, a little bit concerning to see Keston there. Uh, but if but if we did see regression all along and we saw Adames, Wong, Urias, and Rowdy and their uh, batted balls falling a little bit quicker or more often, I should say, uh, I guess that we would we would take that with the Brewers well below the average of a 288 BABIP. So we'll see. Uh, we'll certainly see. Uh, I think there's a lot to to cover, really, in the next couple of months. Should be really exciting as the Brewers um, continue to, to chase for that World Series crown. Again, Brewers sitting atop first place with uh, 48 wins, 39 losses, um, and a two-and-a-half game lead here uh, as we record here Sunday night uh, over the St. Louis Cardinals. So regardless of what the Brewers do, and how many bites of the apple, um, whether the Brewers are able to select Kirkland, select uh, Brian Reynolds in the uh, trade deadline. We'll certainly be cheering for it and covering it all for you here on the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. So, as always, Peter and David go signing off. Go Brewers! Thank you for listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review our show on whichever platform you're listening on. If you enjoyed it, consider supporting us through the link down below.
1: See you next time!